hello welcome to the session sir and uh, let's start and we are thankful that you are taking the session sir we can start now on examination of the hip it is a very important topic in orthopedics from clinical point of view from theoretical point of view and somewhere here and there the questions are asked which are quite tricky on this topic so i have to try to cover everything in related to in relation to examination of the hip and main diseases of the hip so to start with we should listen to the complaints of the patient we should take a proper history the complaint should be in chronological order as they come up we should be careful about the to note about the duration of the disease is it painful or painless and how it has progressed over time progress over time means whether it has progressed with a rapid rapidly or slowly it has evolved slowly has it stopped evolve, uh, progressing or is it progressing still progressing over time and the patient condition has worsened so for clinically we go with certain scores which we call the hip hip scores or the oxford hip scores judging by the scores we know how much the disease has progressed at the current time so any we should be careful to ask about any history of infection example tuberculosis because tuberculosis is one of the major diseases and common diseases in our country and tuberculosis of the hip is quite common so it is decreasing recently with the usage of the more medicines proper medicines proper duration and the national tuberculosis control program we should ask any history of back pain like ankylosing spondylitis rheumatoid arthritis juvenile rheumatoid arthritis because disease diseases mimic closely the diseases of the hip the symptoms may overlap or mislead us to the diagnosis the pain should be evaluated in detail whether it is radiating to the knee or it is radiating right up to the leg or foot which is more indicative of a neuropathic pain like sciatica then as in any pain we should be note the site of the pain character of the pain intensity of the pain whether it is radiation radiating or not a common mnemonic to remember about the pain is socket site onset character of the pain radiation association with any other symptoms time course of pain and what are the relieving factors or which factors which make the pain worse and what is the severity of the pain we should ask in the history how the patient is comfortable about walking what is his ambulatory status whether he uses a stick whether he uses a walker or he walks unassisted or he is not able to walk or he walks with a limp and what is his condition after walking certain distance whether he it becomes more painful or it is stationary or it makes him something better in some inflammatory pathologies and we should also ask about the back pain about the back pain is it often associated finding because restriction of the hip movement aggravates the spine degeneration why because hip joint is bound to move and it moves in with every step when it is not moving properly it is the joints of the spine which are contributing to the movement of the patient and when they are overused they slowly degenerate over time 
which they should not if the hip movement is proper the spine should not degenerate at that rapid pace every patient should back pain should be evaluated for the pathologies of the hip we should note the limitations of the activities of the patient whether he is able to squat or sit on a low chair whether he needs support even for prolonged standing about the previous treatments whether he has taken any previous treatments yes no duration and the type of the treatment what was the response whether the treatment was medical or was it a surgical treatment we should look for the deformities in the sagittal plane how we look for the deformities in the sagittal plane we will look from the side looking from the side we will be able to appreciate any flexion deformity of the hip when there is a flexion deformity of the hip and the patient is standing straight you will see that the lumbar lordosis is increased because the pelvis will tilt anteriorly and it will increase the lumbar lordosis when there is a flexion deformity of the hip so looking at lumbar lordosis from the side of the patient standing straight we can judge that there is some problem in the hip the hip is not extending properly and it has tilted the pelvis so when we are not able to correct it it is called the fixed flexion deformity how it is corrected it is corrected with the correct not corrected but it is masked with the increased lumbar lordosis it is one of the common deformities of the hip associated with deformities in the coronal plane we will come to it later on the deformities in the coronal plane the adduction deformity and the abduction deformity so another way to look at the deformity of the hip from the side is the patient is lifting the leg off the ground when he has lifted the leg off the ground the flexion deformity of the hip has become obvious and at the same time it has decreased the lumbar lordosis because he has flexed the hip if it is because of hip it is unilateral so if this is the scenario on lifting the leg lumbar lordosis is decreased it means the pathology is at the hip when the hip is brought back into its deformed position that is fixed flexion deformity the lordosis of the spine has decreased then looking for the deformities in the coronal plane which are the adduction deformities and the abduction deformities we see from this figure that there is a lumbar lordosis which has a convexity on the left side and concavity on the concavity on the right side why it is so because the left side of the pelvis is dipped down the reason may be any most usually it is a deform abduction deformity of the hip on the right side if we go look at the other side there is adduction deformity on the right side due to adduction deformity the patient is not able to abduct the leg and in an attempt to abduct the leg he has uh, the spine has deformed in a into scoliosis and the limb has shortened so these are how the deformities in the coronal plane look like when we look from the back of the patient so looking at the patient from the side from the back we can judge about the deformities of the hip and this is the role of inspection in the deformities of the hip so elaborating or coming back to the deformity in the coronal plane what keeps the hip or the limb aligned and the pelvis squared it is the normal the now normal neck shaft angle it is normally it is about 13 to uh, 135 degree deformities due to decrease in the neck shaft angle cause shortening but scoliosis in the spine will not be there so when there is deformity due to decrease neck shaft angle it will cause shortening 
level of the anterior spiralic spine will be same so this is how we differentiate between the deformity due to fixed adduction deformity or due to change in the neck shaft angle if we coming back discussing the anatomy of the hip in brief overview of the anatomy if we look at the hip from the back there will be rotators of the hip what are the rotators of the hip they are the obturators internus obturators externus gamelae and the quadratus femoris these are the main external rotators of the hip similarly there are abductors these are very important muscles the gluteus medius and the gluteus minimus they are supplied with the superior gluteal nerve then the flexors of the hip they are the iliosaurus iliosaurus is the main flexor of the hip so looking for the deformities in the coronal plane with the thumb the examiner is palpating the anterior spiralic spine for the level of the anterior spiralic spine level of the anterior spiralic spine should be marked with a marker in all cases of the examination of the hip limbness discrepancy the causes other than the hip may be overriding field fracture of the femur it can be due to change in the neck shaft angle or in the malunited fractures of the tibia all these can be causes of the shortening of the limb other than the hip causes of the limb shortening at the hip level can be due to change in the neck shaft angle which is if the angle is decreased we call it the coxa vera adduction deformity of the hip can be again be the cause of shortening here there is adduction deformity on the right side the adduction deformity the pelvis has tilted risen higher on the side of the deformity and uh, abnormality of the spine the scoliosis has developed and the limb of that side has shortened you will also twist the spine creating curvature in the coronal plane the scoliosis so pelvis will move higher on the side of the adduction deformity or if the deformity is an abduction deformity the pelvis will be lower this is how the adduction deformity contributes to the tilting of the pelvis and deformity at the spine so what we will call this shortening we will call this shortening as the apparent shortening why apparent shortening because it is not the true shortening of the limb the deformity has is limiting the hip movement of the hip due to which the pelvis has tilted and the limb appears to be shortened what are the indirect methods here the heel is on the higher side this is the indirect way to judge about the shortening of the limb if the patient is keeping the ankle in equinus it means he is compensating for the shortening in the spine position so all examinations of the hip should be done in the spine position by making the patient to lie down patient should be aligned to the couch such that the limbs are parallel to each other and the anterior superior iliac spine should lie in a plane perpendicular to the couch so these are the main prerequisites for assessing the shortening the heels on the medial malleolus medial malleolus will not be at the same same level in this there is a shortening so differentiation difference in the level of the heel will point us towards the shortening of the limb so what we learn from this is the prerequisite for limb length is the anterior superior iliac spine should be at the same level this we call in the technically we call it the squaring of the pelvis 
again the palpating the anterior spiral spine how it is palpated i'm showing it again and again because it is important how it is palpated we are trying to feel the distance between the aiss and the greater trochanter it is decreased it indicates shortening above the level of the trochanter it can be confirmed by drawing the branch triangle as you all know on the how the branch triangle is drawn i may not need to go into detail but briefly one is the anterior spiral spine one is the greater trochanter and the vertical drawn downwards and horizontal line if it is shortened it indicates the shortening above the level of the trochanter so this is how the branch triangle is drawn knee joint another way to do the things knee joint line marking we can mark the knee joint this can be done by to determine the level of the knee joint which may be helpful in determining the level of the shortening then we have a want to differentiate whether the shortening is above the level of the knee or below the level of the knee we will draw the level of the knee joint that palpating the tibia then we will measure below it the length of the limb equal below the knee measured from the knee joint line to the medulla favors the level of shortening to be above the knee if you find it to be equal on both sides in spite of the shortening and we can do it by simple inspection which we call the glazy sign or the alis test by observing from the lateral side we can judge the level of the shortening of the limb in the figure a it is above the knee the shortening is above the knee and in the figure b it is below the knee this is how this is an important test particularly in congenital dislocation of the hip cases measured from the tip of the greater trochanter to the knee joint line this is direct measurement above the level of the knee how we will measure the whole limb locating the aiss and placing the edge of the measuring tape at its level is an important part of the what we are doing these days we are doing objective structure clinical examination for assessment of the undergraduate students so it is an important part of the osteo of the clinical hip examination so the student should know how to keep his measuring tape at the level of the aiss then you should be able to keep the other end of the tape at the level of the medial malleolus and this is how the measurement is done if there is a deformity there may, there may be difficulty in keeping both the limbs parallel so what we can do we can bring the other other limb into the uh, position of the other hip at the same deformity level so here if one hip is a reduction deformity to secure the pelvis the other hip is also adducted this is way to measure the length of the limb from the fixed point here we are not measuring from the asis we are measuring from a fixed body point maybe this is sternum or in thin individuals even umbilicus and we are measuring up to the level of the medial malleolus so here the deformity of the this is again a apparent measurement of the length because we don't know the level of the position of the asis if the ass is higher that limb will be shortened with this method pelvic tilting which is correctable is an indication of apparent shortening so here the there is a, a deformity in the there is tilting of the pelvis due to deformity at the hip which is correctable it is indicative of apparent shortening another way to measure the limb is we can keep a few blocks under the foot to level the pelvis and the height of the blocks which is needed to correct the deformity is an indicative of how much the limb is shortened this is an incorrect way to do the things or 
in very difficult cases, we can even go for sequential X-rays. Limb shortening can also be determined radiologically if in a difficult case. Sequential X-rays of the hip, knee, and ankle on the long films. Screening for the rotational movements. So we also need to screen the patient for not only the flexion deformity, the abduction deformity, or adduction deformity. We also need to mark the rotational movement of the hip. Because hip is, what is a hip joint? Hip joint is a ball and socket joint. It has movements in all the directions. In addition, so the rotational movement, there are two types of, one is internal rotation and the other is the external rotation. It helps in detecting the pathologies of the hip because what we have found the internal rotation of the movement of the hip is very frequently the earliest sign of the pathology of the hip. Here, what the examiner is doing, he is detecting the early cases of the adduction deformity by and judging on the tightness of the adductors. Abduct the hip, palpate the adductor longus region, tenderness in sports injuries, also in early stages of adduction contracture development. Here, we are testing for the early flexion deformity. Hip is tested in external rotation to palpate for tenderness at the insertion of the flexors, which is the iliosos on the lesser tendon. Then on the back, what are attached to the ischial tuberosity? The hamstring muscles. So we should look for tenderness at the ischial tuberosity. These are mainly for the sports injuries because frequently there is tenderness at the insertion of the muscles. Then coming back to the fixed flexion deformity of the hip, how it is tested? The common test to test the fixed flexion deformity of the hip is the Thomas test. So what is Thomas test? As I earlier told you, the hip is in, in fixed flexion deformity, the lumbar lardosis is increased. So keep a hand in a spine position under the lumbar spine, there, due to lardosis, the hand can easily pass underneath and then check for the obliteration of your hand or pressing on the hand when you flex the other hip. And the, patient, the normal hip of the patient is being flexed on flexion the pelvis will tilt back, the deformity will become obvious, the hand will be pressed upon, the lumbar lardosis will be decreased, and the affected hip will go into flexion. And the angle which it makes with the couch in this position is the fixed flexion deformity of the hip. So keep on flexing the normal hip till the lardosis is obliterated. The angle between the thigh and the couch gives a measure of the fixed flexion deformity. This is how I'm doing the Thomas test for the fixed flexion property. See, the patient is cooperating with me. He has also kept her hip, normal hip in flexion. And as soon as I extend the leg, the hip, uh, the, uh, the lumbar lattices becomes obvious and the limb ties to touch the couch. But when the hip is flexed, see what happens when the hip is flexed? See the deformity. So this is the common Thomas test for the fixed flexion deformity of the hip. It is a very important test. Then for extension, for checking the limitation of the extension, we can make the patient prone and check for extension. This is the range of the motion, how the range of the motion is documented from the fixed flexion deformity up to further. See, in this case, the range of motion in the segative plane is 30 to 90 degrees. 
then range of motion in the coronal plane it is important to keep the ass pelvis fixed pelvis should be stationary when we are recording the range of motion we are checking for the abduction it can also be tested in flex position of the hip so you have here i am checking for abduction i am not able to abduct the hip because there is an abduction from here to here we are checking the range of movement of the external rotation patient is made to uh, lie supine and the external rotation at the hip is done it can also be tested in flex position of the hip as in this case ask the patient to keep the leg over the opposite foot over the opposite knee this is how the patient normally this is the resting position for very resting position in most of the normal persons they relax lie down in this way this relaxing the it means the external rotation of the hip is fine again external rotation range of movement this is external rotation commonly in indian language we ask the patient to squat tonkadi maro when the patient is able to squat we are able to very well test the external rotation a patient with normal external range of uh, rotation range of movement will be easily able to squat this we are checking in prone position so what we are checking it is very tricky the movements will appear opposite here we are checking the external rotation when we are making the foot cross we are checking the external rotation here there is a limited external rotation i will show you in my case there is a reduction contracture on both the hip and internal rotation is limited on the both sides this limited internal rotation and external rotation will also be limited see he is not he is not able to keep her feet on the opposite knee the internal rotation is again limited adduction movement opposite limb may need to be lifted because comes in the way of normal rotation there are two ways to do it one is to ask the assistant to lift the opposite leg and cross the leg to be tested under it or when the assistant is not available we can flex the affected hip slightly in normal hip legs cross approximately at the mid thigh obesity may affect the validity of this test we may not be able to do this test in very obese individuals then internal rotation this is how the internal rotation is being tested measure the angle between the vertical line and imaginary line along the leg angle between the leg and the vertical imaginary line see this is internal rotation of the hip is being tested in the prone position here internal rotation is again tested testing the both hips will help in a quick comparison between the two hips this is again internal rotation of the both hips being tested together this is a quick screening method roll each leg externally and internally with hip and extension this is a quick way to test the rotation movement of the hip and this is the trandomberg test which tests the abductor mechanism what we are testing with the trandomberg we are testing the abductor mechanism of the hip we will ask the patient to lift one foot off the ground and on lifting the one foot off the ground in normal cases due to the well functioning abductors the pelvis will not sink but if the pelvis is sinking or the patient has to tilt on the opposite side to keep the pelvis balanced it means the trandomberg sign is positive it indicates 
of a failure of the abduction mechanism. The reason may be numerous. Maybe fracture neck femur, change in the neck shaft angle, any deformity of the hip. The reasons are all the valid reasons for tandemoc sign positive. Any failure of the abductor mechanism in, of the hip to give the tandemoc test positive. Maybe nerve palsy. So gluteus medius and minimus, they are spread with the superior gluteal nerve. Any palsy of this nerve, maybe due to collapse into vertebral disc or any other reason, or undisplaced fracture of the neck due to pain, any painful condition of the hip, the coxa vera, or the congenital dislocation of the hip will lead to failure of the abductor mechanism and the positive trend of birth test. This is the Duchenne sign. Patient lurches to the opposite side while walking. The difference from the trendomorg is trendomorg is while standing. This Duchenne is while we are checking the patient in walking position. The gluteus and the minimus powers need to be tested. Make if we are suspicious of the trendomorg sign positive. Make the patient lie on side. Ask the patient to lift the leg sideways. If he is able to do, test again against the distance. Then gluteus maximus power is tested in the prone position. Ask the patient to lift the leg backwards without flexing the knee. If he is able to do this, test against resistance. Then aspiration of the hip. How the hip joint is aspirated. Sometimes hip joint synovial fluid is required to diagnose certain pathologies of the hip. It is done under strict aseptic precautions. Two roots literally go through along the neck and entirely below the inguinal ligament and literally to the femoral artery. So head of the femur is in entirely in direct relation to the femoral artery. We have to always keep in mind while operating on or while doing aspiration, little to the femoral artery is the femoral pain and the nerve. Nerve is the most femoral nerve is the most lateral structure in the femoral triangle. Femoral artery is medial to the nerve. This is the two tests for the tangential dislocation of the hip. One is the Ottolani test. It is the thumb along the inner side of the thigh and the fingers over the greater trochanter flex and abduct. It will reduce the dislocated hip with a click. This is Ottolani test done for screening for congenital dislocation of the hip. Other is the Barlow's test. Here the thumb along the inner side of the thigh and the fingers over the greater trochanter. Fix the pelvis between the simple and sacrum with one hand. With the thumb of the other hand, try to dislocate the hip. If the hip is dislocatable, it means the acetabulum is dysplastic, as in congenital dislocation of the hip or DDH. Developmental dysplasia of the hip, the hip can be dislocated easily. Trandomic side C even has an importance in pediatric patient. Excessive shoulder sway, affected side appears shorter. There is asymmetry of the thigh folds and lumbar lordosis is increased. Again, the same finds as in adults. And still, older children, restriction of the range of the movement may be the clinical finding. Telescopy test may be positive. FP, why it is positive? Because hip is not, uh, head of the femur is not in proper relation to the acetabulum. The hip flips, uh, femur's head slips back. On radiologically, von Rosen method, x-ray with the hip in 45 degree of abduction, and full internal rotation, head of the femur is not ossified. Projected line along the femur should strike the acetabulum. If it is not, it means the hip is not proper alignment. Then is the Edinburgh method. Please keep on noting these things. 
von Rosen method, Edinburgh method, because this is what is required. Sometimes may be asked in MCQs. In epifilm, distance between the ischium and the most middle part of the humor. Note the increased distance and the proximal migration on one side. And the important lines for checking the DDH is the horizontal line. X for horizontal, hill, inner line. And the Perkins line is the vertical line. The head of the femur should be in the most inferior and the middle quadrant. If we divide it into four quadrants, this is the normal position. If it is not there, it means there is something is wrong. The head is not maintaining proper relation into the acetabulum. The shenton line may be broken. Then, ossification of the hip. You should know sometimes asked in MCQ. In a matrix, is skin four to six months. Pubis four to six months in utero, acetabulum two centers, puberty, ileum ischium pubis all fused by seven to nine years. Acetabulum fusion that is replacement of the triradiate cartilage occurs at 20 to 25 years. Femur seven weeks, shaft seven weeks, moral head four to six months, greater to tender two to four years, and lesser to tender is the last to ossify at puberty. Then, radiologically, how the protrusio acetabuli look like? It is the medial migration of the hip center seen in rickets and osteomalite. Malaysia, rheumatoid arthritis, long-standing degenerative condition. The center of the hip has migrated medially. The middle wall has thinned out or it has protruded into the pelvis. This, this is bony ankylosis. The hip joint space is totally obliterated, seen in untreated cases of tuberculosis of the hip. It will lead to early degeneration of the lumbar spine. This Perthes disease is again a pediatric condition where the head of the femur becomes soft and deformed in the long-standing cases. Lateral excursion measures AB upon CD. This, uh, if it is more than 20%, it means the prognosis is poor. Gagge sign is a spectrum surrounded by a ring of viable epiphysis. This is the spectrum. Gagge sign is positive in Perthes disease. And how we classify it, one is the important classification is the lateral pillar classification. We look at the height of the lateral pillar. A line through the center of the neck fails to pass through the center of the head. It occurs in slipped capital femoral epiphysis. A tangential line through the upper femoral neck fails to pass through the Epiphysis, there is distortion, buttressing of the inferior portion of the neck. Thank you. Here is there is a short video which came across presenting complaints chronologically. See how the pathologies of the hip look like. Again, pseudo flexion of the The child is not flexing, and due to tuberculosis, there may be sore success. Again, what we have discussed how the Trandomuk sign, how the fulcrum, the head of the femur, the joint is the fulcrum, the under the load of the body weight, the abductors prevent the pelvis from sinking. We have already covered these things. So, thank you. Thank you, sir, for your nice session and you explained everything in detail with images attached. Thank you so much, sir, for your uh, 
presentation and uh, if anyone is having doubt can ask to sir also sir is available in emperor pg uh, uh, in telegram group you can ask sir doubt or otherwise you can uh, attend sir quiz in uh, sir's website uh, i'm i'll be telling you sir's website you can uh, uh, give their quiz or orthopedic quiz in uh, parminder kula.online you can sir give sir quiz so thank you sir i think no one is having doubt and also they can see this video and ask to you later thank you sir we can end here i think